Hello, hello, welcome to episode 26 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. Okay, and we're happy to be here today. We are kicking off um, something, Jacob, you may be aware of working in the library, but we are currently celebrating the great American read. We are. I feel like you'd have to be an oblivious fool not to know that this is going on. I mean, it's a happening, and yeah, it's it's countrywide, and it's really cool. So I'm going to kind of explain a, a little bit about it if you're not familiar. Which country, by the way? The, what is it? It's called the Great American Read. Well, you know, North America. You got you said, you said, you know, don't, it's nationwide, Jacob, not countrywide. Jacob, don't. Don't. <laughs> let me get through this. I don't have the patience for you today. It's, it's a Friday. Okay. So the Great American Read is an eight-part series on PBS that explores and celebrates the power of reading. And it's told through the prism of America's 100 best loved novels. So these were chosen in a national survey. I think I read that some like over 7,000 people um, kind of cast their vote in this. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was when this was happening, but. Yeah, I wasn't consulted. I didn't get a ballot. I, I would have had some other choices. But it investigates how and why writers create their fictional worlds and how we as readers are affected by these stories and kind of like what these 100 different books have to say about our diverse nation and our shared human experience. So if you have PBS or if you have access to the app, there is like a television series that features entertaining and informative documentary segments. And they have like testimonials from celebrities and authors and notable Americans and book lovers just across the country. There was a two hour launch episode um, which I watched, which was actually pretty good. No, oh, okay. If you can just exclude Meredith Vieira every two minutes being like, go to pbs.org to vote just over and over. Well, and you're like, I got it, Mayor. I got I got used to them asking for money all the time. Be like, well, they, you know, time. they need to survive. Would you um, like this koozie? <laughs> yeah. It's only $25. Oh boy, this is this is where he's at today. But um, so they're gonna go over the 100 books, and then they're gonna have like a five one-hour themed episodes that I guess examine the concept common to groups of books on the list, and then a finale where they will announce uh, this America's best loved book. So you can actually go on the site and on PBS.org, and you can vote for your favorite book. And what's great is you can vote for more than one because. I can't handle just picking one book. It's very stressful. No, yeah, it gives me a lot of anxiety trying it, to pick one book. Absolutely, because it's hard to compare books that are so different. So I love the idea, though, because I feel like it's designed to get the country reading and passionately talking about books. Let's actually play a clip to really uh, get you in the feel for what they're running here. Let's do it. They can bring us stories from long ago and take us to worlds we can only imagine. Sometimes they can even change our lives. Books. My favorite book is Ready Player One. The Little Prince. Charlotte's Web. Everyone has a favorite. Books are a key to a whole new world. You open that cover, man, and you're gone. But what is America's favorite book? The Handmaid's Tale. 100 Years of Solitude. Frankenstein. We've got a list of America's 100 best-loved novels, and we need you to help us pick number one in the first ever national vote for America's favorite book. The Color Purple. War and Peace. Pride and Prejudice. The stories are fiction, but the excitement is real. To Kill a Mockingbird. Gone with the Wind. Cast your vote for America's favorite book when PBS presents The Great American Read. 
Okay, so it's pretty rad, and... That was a pretty cool little clip there. Yeah, yeah, it's not so bad. And so Jacob and I are going to be sharing some of our personal favorites from the list, um, and maybe, you know, ones that we don't understand why they're on the list. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a little bit that's of a always, reason. You know, not, no judgment, but um, I'm also... looking at you, Count of Monte Cristo. Get it done in under 2,000 pages, am I right? I... Basically, he, like, his cost for revenge cost him his family. You know, I all right. Well, it's a, it's wow. a story of Breaking Bad. I didn't know how passionate you were about don't, not liking that book. Don't even get me started on Don Quixote. Okay, uh, <laughs> so we don't on. we don't have time. Pump the brakes. Jacob is really he's really excited. I need to open <laughs> his gate up and let him out. But just to let people know beforehand that as you get into this, as we're talking about books, if you if you you're really into it and there's books on the list, when you look at the whole 100 that you want to talk about, you can actually tell your story on camera um, right here at the downtown library. So on June 27th from 9 to 1, and then there's actually like three dates after that that you can catch on the website, but you can come in and you can talk about your love of reading and what book you know meant the most to you and how you choose to share it and you'll probably actually record it right where we're sitting right now yeah you get to come into the library studio here you know all our fancy equipment that we have set up we'll have to take all the the pictures of ourselves that we've just hung up everywhere because we just love looking at ourselves i mean you know it's like a bruce lee movie in here with all the mirrors but (laughs) other than that you know so this, this is a really like big buffalo uh, wide thing. So speak. So Don Boswell, he's the president and CEO of WNED TV and WBFO Radio, which I think we're both fans of. But he, you know, he came to the library to talk about it, and he's been doing interviews because he's really into it. Um, and looking at the list, he started talking about some of his favorite books. So I'm actually going to play you a clip from an interview uh, with Don Boswell. Let's go. I have to start with Moby Dick. Um, that was one of my all-time favorites. I think because I lived in Pittsburgh and we didn't have an ocean or we didn't have a lake. And so, you know, reading, you know, this great adventure about Moby Dick and, and being a white whale and it just, the whole inspiration of the sea and the ocean and the sort of, um, um, you know, fears that took place around this whale. I guess I don't want to give the book away, so I won't go in real precise terms, but it was just one of those books that, uh, at a young age, just just really, you know, caught my interest in, was just fascinating. Uh, the other one was The Invisible Man. Um, you know, that was one of those um, classics that, um, you know, it almost made me feel, how can I become invisible? You know, you, you go through this period of what it was like, you know, being invisible. And, and the book really set up some great scenarios of things that happened around that book. Okay, yeah, so everyone's getting involved, and we would love for you guys to as well, but we're always limited with time, so why don't we start jumping into some of the books that we want to talk about. And again, if you go to our website, www.buffalolib.org, you can click on a list to see all of these 100 books and then, you know, jump in. Yeah, make your little list, you know. Go ahead and make your vote. Get your book to the top, and let's see what wins. I got my money on Game of Thrones, personally, but we'll talk about that next week. Oh, okay. I don't think that's that's going to win at all. But anyway, so we're going to start. So one of the books that's on the list that I was surprised by, but I have to start with, is Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Andrews. Wow. I, I did not see that choice coming. Okay. Well, it's, that's not, an intense book. it's not that I'm choosing it, per se, but I have to talk about it because V.C. Andrews is so integral to my reading life. So when I was um, young... But kind of leaving like juvenile books, like I wanted to read books that were a little older. Okay. 
but I legit did not understand how to use a library and I was too afraid to ask. So I went to my public library, which was the West Seneca Library, shout out. Um, and <laughs> first off, I kind of, I think the reason that library needed remodeling is because I single-handedly destroyed it. Because when I would go there and find something that I wanted in the card catalog, mm -hmm. I would then rip it out so that I knew where to go find the book. You so monster. I literally just would rip out so many cards from their catalog. I can't apologize enough. It's probably really good that we went digital. There's some old school clerk that was just going nuts just every single just, week. Yeah, it's like, where are all these? Um, but anyway, so when I got to the library and I only knew about the kids section, so I was like, I'm going to the adult section. I'm starting. But I was like, I don't know any authors. So I literally just went to the A's and VC Andrews had dozens and dozens of books there. So in my brain, I was like, well, she must be one of the best if they've let her write this right. many books. It's a James Patterson syndrome. Exactly. So I pulled a book off the shelf and I ended up reading a million V.C. Andrews books because A, they were kind of easy. They were enjoyable. They were a little naughty. And I liked that at that age. I remember coming home and reading it. And my mom at one point was like, Man, I really don't think you should be reading her, but I don't want to discourage you from reading. It's a, so it's a tough spot it to happen. be in. So she let it happen. Um, okay, so so Flowers in the Attic is kind of about this perfect family until they have a heartbreaking tragedy, which happens early on where the father dies, and it shatters their happiness. And for the sake of an inheritance, they have to go live in the grandmother's mansion. Um, and their mother's like assures them that it will be fine and they'll only be there for a little while. But the grandmother doesn't really want kids around, so they have to live like up on the top floor, um, thus the attic. And so days kind of go by and it turns into months and it literally just turns into years that these four kids, Kathy, Chris, um, Corey, and Carrie, um, are living in this attic and realize that their survival is kind of at the mercy of this really cruel and superstitious grandmother. Um, it's a very uplifting tale. Yeah, it's a messed up book. I'm surprised that people love it so much that it made this list. But, you know, again, there's no judgment. It, people can love what they want. I'm really interested in V.C. Andrews, um, who is actually known as V.C. because when she first started publishing, they were like, yeah, we don't want people to know you're a woman because <laughs> they might not no. buy your books. I didn't know Harper Lee was a woman for the longest time. I mean, I think they, they like that, which is sad. But... What's also crazy is if you look at V.C. Andrews' books, so there's so many. I don't even know how many. I'll, I'll just put like 40 out there as a number. But let's say if that was the number, she wrote like 10 or less. The rest are all ghostwriters under her name. Oh, so it really is Patterson Syndrome then. Yeah, like it's crazy, but they really always just put V.C. Andrews. So I didn't even know that for so long that she just wrote such a small section of books in the beginning. But her books are also really great because they usually have like five in the series. So if you like that, you know, you can like keep style. going, which as a young person, I was like, oh, there's more to this story? Yeah, because you get sucked into like a certain writer's style and you just want to kind of consume everything that you can yeah. from them. So. Absolutely. So I don't know that I would recommend Flowers in the Attic as like a great book, but VC, I can't turn my back on you. You were my girl. You really got me into reading. So it's on the list. You might as well check it out. Yeah. You know, read the book, watch the uh, the TV miniseries from back in the 80s. You I'm sure there's a lot it. of things that have been created. I'm sure there's many lifetime um, flowers well, in the attic. If there movies. is not a Flowers in the Attic <laughs> yeah. lifetime movie, then they are really missing like there their core a... their core beliefs in that station. Uh, let me tell you. All right, let's look at the list. Why don't you 
grab something, talk about it. I'm going to go a little more sci-fi, as is my usual way. I'm going to go with Jurassic Park because it is, you know, topical with the new movie coming out this okay. summer. I get, I get that that's on the list. A yeah. lot of people have loved that book. I've never read it. It's actually a very good book, and it's very different than the movie, believe it or not. Okay. Like the movie basically is like a basic, is a framework of it, while the book, they get a little more in-depth. There's a little more action scenes going on. It's a little bit of a darker book, too, because they go into how a lot you know, more people die in the book than this they do This is Michael in the movie. Crichton. Right? Yes, Michael okay. Crichton. And um, he's been a huge, prolific author since then. Oh, yeah. He, he, has so many he was books. a big author at the time, but now, like, he's one of those authors, just kind of like Stephen King, where anytime they make anything, people are just kind of optioning it yeah. to make it into a movie. <laughs> he wrote four sentences, and they're like, we will make this into a film. Yeah, they're like, whatever you want to do, dude, we're just going to go <laughs> ahead and put it right on the sure. air. Um, we all know what Jurassic Park's about, but yeah. I do recommend going to check out the book because it gets a little bit more into like the technical aspects of the dinosaur cloning. Okay. And then a lot more of the ethical thing. Like Malcolm seems like he's a bigger character in the books than he is in the movies even. Um, his point of view is kind of, the, it's the same, but it also reasons that it's important in the context of the book. Um, the relationship with the kids in the um and Dr. Grant is different, you know. Okay. Um, a different way that the dinosaurs seem to be expanding off of the island even this early in the series, which is something they're really going to get into in the, the new movie finally. So. Okay. It's definitely one worth checking out. I think sometimes when books become films that are so popular, the book kind of gets neglected. Like, for example, Frankenstein is on this list. And I'm like, you know, I've never read Frankenstein because I'm so familiar with the story. I've never felt the need to. Yeah. Um, but definitely this October, <laughs> this is my... My Frankenstein year. Good luck. I tried reading it. It's uh, st- heavily steeped in the 19th century language there. It's a rough read at times. but Well, thanks for just letting the air out of that tire for me. I yes. have faith in you. I think, you, I think you'll be your better reader than I am. I mean, maybe. We'll see what happens. Well, you just picked Flowers in the Attic. I picked Jurassic Park. So you tell me who had the better, the better book choices going yeah, forward. I'm not saying Flowers in the Attic is great. I'm just saying... Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we can compare at the end when we're done Well, my, the next the book that books. I want to talk about, I'm going to say is, like, this could win. This this would be a hard one for me to not vote for, but there are a lot of books on this list that I love. Kay. But that is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Tell you know, me I, you've read The Alchemist. You know, I haven't, actually. I, I keep Jacob, seeing it on the list, what, but I never read it. What is wrong with you? You like this kind of books. You I do. I do. And it's another reason I'd be like, I don't know why I haven't read it. This it's like those ra- the uh, R- Ranger Apprentice, too. I never read any of those. Like, right up my alley. Never checked them out. Well, you need to do that, but you need to start with The Alchemist. <clears throat> this book has sold millions of copies around the world, and I'm pretty sure it's been translated into, like, 70 languages. And I feel has transformed lives of countless readers. I would back that. It's, it is a, so it's a magical story. It tells... It's um, the story of Santiago. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but he's an Andalusian shepherd boy who yearns to travel in search of worldly treasure, and his quest will lead him to riches far different and far more satisfying than he ever imagined. And his journey really teaches us about the essential wisdom of listening to our hearts and really recognizing opportunity and learning to read the omens that are strewn along life's path. which all that might sound cheesy to someone listening, but it is not. It is brilliant. It's extremely moving. Um, I love that book. I feel like there was a period of time where they, ever, they'd show like Bill Clinton and he was always walking around with like The Alchemist in his hand. I was like, everyone's reading this book. It's so good. And what's crazy about it, too, is that it only took, and again, this is going to sound cheesy, but I back it because of my love for this book. It only took Qualo two weeks to write it because he said it was already written in his soul. Oh, 
Well, that's a good quote. I mean, and it, the book had a hard time when it first came out. Like they only, I think, printed like 900 of them um, in South America, and then they sold out, but then they didn't again. And it was really that a, an American tourist ended up finding the book and had the means and was like, oh, this needs to be published. And when it was published in the U.S., it became a really big deal. It spent mm. over 300 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. Yeah, and it was like in 1994, it was translated into French, and it was on their bestseller list for five years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I'm basically I'm missing out on a big time book here. Absolutely. It's like the best selling Portuguese language book in the history of the language. Oh. Well, I hope and it's just really good. It's really like inspiring. Um, again, I think this one, if they end up showing, even if it's not number one at the end, I feel like. It's Oof, a, it should be a be like it should be a contender. I think I, it's a huge contender. I feel like it even has like a TV show going with it as well. So oh, that I don't know, but I feel it's like all it's possible. like on Prime or something like that. So okay, definitely something to check out. Yes. All right, so I'm going to go with um, an old classic Agatha Christie book, and then there were none. Okay. Here's a fun thing about this book. I'm not going to dwell on it too long. It's actually one of the first like real legit books that I remember reading like in my entire life because See, that's special. My fifth grade teacher was obsessed with Agatha Christie. Okay. So she was like, "Okay, kids, we're going to learn reading by reading Am- Agatha Christie novels." So she start. It's a weird choice for fifth graders, I'll admit, but the book was actually pretty good. Um, the storyline, it's basically like with a lot of Agatha Christie stuff. They just copy and paste it into modern movies all the time. So everybody mm-hmm. has an idea. Ten people stuck on an island. People start dying at random. And then it becomes a story of who is the one that's killing everybody as it's going. I feel like it is the reason that those murder mystery dinners exist. <laughs> like, yes. It's all based on this book. It's exactly what it is. Uh, it's not, you know, it's kind of like the kind of stuff where like the joke about um, the butler did it. This is the kind yeah. of storyline that did that he does not do it by the way spoiler alert. <laughs> you know i read the book and in this moment i'm like i don't know if i remember who did it. oh i just remembered who did it oh there you go okay this got one, it i saw the, <laughs> got I saw it. the light bulb go on <laughs> my eyeballs got big right. um but yeah and then a funny fact about this that's actually not the real title of the book it was originally called 10 little indians but you know they had to change that for pc reasons so now it's and then there were none Ten little Indian. Was that a picture in that? I don't even remember, but that's okay. We don't need to spoil it. Yeah, it's no, it's not like a, it might be a picture or something. It like was like that. a picture hanging in the house or something along those lines. Yeah, but. so they changed the title. Didn't really matter. It doesn't matter what you call it. The story's still good. So something to go check out. Okay. And obviously, if a fifth grader can read it, it's going to be a nice and, easy read. And I mean, for you. enough people had to vote for it as their favorite book to make the list. So I feel like it kind of gives all these books a little more cred. Yeah. Although. Fifty Shades of Grey is on this list. Well, you know. And that deserves no credit. It's one of the most poorly written things I've ever put my hands on. But again, I know people really liked it. so I don't get it either. I don't understand why they liked it, but they did. So it makes sense. I mean, sense. You I think it's where you're just like, I really liked the story and I was able to put aside the poor writing. Is it? It's. Oh, my God. And you know what? It's like E.L. James made it to this list. Um Whoever wrote Twilight, what is her name? Stephanie Meyer, she's on this list too and with I mean, the Twilight books. I mean, she has so much to thank because Fifty Shades of Grey wouldn't exist without Twilight. But Since it's Twilight fanfic, but man, yeah, it's weird choices, I but mean, hey. to each their own, yeah. to each their own. And okay. they both have a chance to win, by the way. No, they're not going to win the number one. There's no way. I got some odds on them. I wouldn't, Stop it. I wouldn't, sit on, I wouldn't count them out. That's what we need. We need to find like... Some, some gambling odds just to see what people are saying. I'd be interested in that. Well, sports betting is legal now, so there Okay, let's, let's look it up. Um, so one, I have to bring up because it's one of my favorites. I'm really happy it's on the list. I know we've talked about it a lot. I don't want to dwell on it, 
Um, but it's Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. You know I love it. Um, I think a lot of people know the story at this point about a, a character, this offridge, she's a handmaid in Gilead, and it's mostly that uh, women are no longer to read, and they're kind of slaves in the sense that they just exist to make babies for these politicians. Um, so if you have viable ovaries, it's a, it's a really bad time for you to yeah, live in Gilead. Not, not going to have a good time. So um, Margaret Atwood kind of writes a lot of these these darker books that she says are not science fiction, but she considers them speculative fiction um, because all of the frightening scenarios that are offered are truly extensions of things that have actually happened somewhere in time, which was a big thing for her where she's like, I'm not going to write anything that's, you know, could be. It's things that actually have been like group activated hangings in the book, the kind of just the tearing apart of human beings, the clothing that's specific to castes and classes, um, the forced childbearing, all of that has exist throughout time, so she kind of just put it into one book, and it's horrifying. And I feel like maybe a lot of her darker stuff is I had read something that she read George Orwell's Animal Farm at age nine because oh, she boy. thought it was like a kid's book about animals. And I was like, well, there you go. That's a, that's a heck of a way to start, let me just tell you. Absolutely, I feel really shaped her writing career in the way that she sees things. Well, she, you know, it does kind of like treating women like cattle in The Handmaid's Tale, so it does make sense. Absolutely, and I know a lot of times for me, you know, when you hear about a book becomes like the book everyone's talking about and they make TV shows and movies, sometimes it can really put you off and you're like, oh, I'm sick of hearing about this. But I really recommend reading The Handmaid's Tale. It's it's fantastic. Margaret Atwood is probably my favorite female writer. So go do it. It's on the list and then vote for it. Yeah. We got to knock Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight off of the top two spots, folks. Don't let <laughs> it happen. Not let it happen. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess, let's see. I'm going to go with next, The Martian by Andy Weir. We love The Martian. We do. It's a very fun, light, breezy book. You know, it's only been a 1,000 degrees in Buffalo this week, so it's <laughs> a nice one you can we go to the beach We are not complaining with. about the heat. That is forbidden. I'm not complaining about the heat. I'm just making an observation. It's all. just as hot as Mars. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, The Martian, about a guy getting stranded on Mars during a space mission and trying to li- um, survive while they attempt to rescue him. A uh, big budget movie by Matt Damon. The book's even better than the movie. The book I the book liked is a lot really more. great. Like I don't again. I don't think that's a book that could win like the greatest American read. But I like that it's on the list because it is just such an enjoyable book that I'm like, yes. Even if you're someone who doesn't love reading, if you pick up The Martian, you might be really happy about it. It's yeah. just a good story. It's a good like like fun easy read. You know, it's perfect for the summertime. You just kind of sit down, relax. Like, let your mind wander and enjoy the book. You know, it's very well written. It's in the first person, which I always think is the best, the best method for it writing It was a books. really great audio book, too. So I would recommend maybe grabbing that from the library. It's a lot of discs, but... Yeah, well, all audio books really are. Yeah, but it's totally worth it. Feel free to use uh, the OverDrive system, too. You guys can get it on audio books um, over your iPods and MP3 players if you have a library account as well. So go on and do that. It's a free service that we have. Plug. <laughs> it's very good. Um... Okay, so now I want to talk about a book that's on the list that I don't want to say I hate this book, but I will say that I hate the main character who the whole book is about. Like, he's one of my most hated literary characters of all time. Um, So, therefore, I have to just talk about the book. It's called A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. Have you heard of this book? No. I don't know what that is. Okay, so... It is about the misadventures of the protagonist, who I hate, Ignatius J. Riley. Oh, that name. His name has stuck with me my whole life because he was just this lazy, 
obese, misanthropic, self-styled scholar who like lives at home with his mother and he hates pop culture, he hates most things. He's kind of been compared to as like the Don Quixote of the French Quarter. There we go with that Don Quixote <laughs> He again. ends up like setting out to find a job. Um, but what's interesting, what, what you know, led me to the book when I was younger is that when it reached its publication in 1980, it was actually 11 years after Toole's suicide. Um, the book, after he wrote it, was constantly rejected just mm. over and over. And he really suffered from paranoia and depression, which was due in part to all of these failures. Um, so at 31, he ended up committing suicide. Um, he had left this book just on a dresser in his house, and his mom knew it was there. And for a couple years, I mean, she, she couldn't even bear to like look at it. She just left it there. But I think after like two years, she took it down um, and started taking it to publishers. And for like five years, she shopped this book around, and everyone rejected it. And then finally someone picked it up, printed it, and this is now a Pulitzer Prize winning fiction book. See? You just got to give stuff a chance sometimes. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So I read it. Again, maybe it's a good book. Maybe you should read it. I mean, if it affected me so much that I think of Ignatius J. Riley all the time because I hated him, um, it's probably worth checking out. And it made the list. The emo kid of the 80s. He was probably, nowadays. Yeah, he was not emo. He was just disgusting monster. He'd have his hair put over his eye listening to My (laughs) Chemical Romance walking around. I don't know what is up with you today. I think there was something spiked in your five-hour energy. You are it's, you are salty. This five-hour energy salty. is more um is more than the amount of sleep that I got last night. So I feel like that is equivalent. Okay, part that of makes that sense. Right there. That makes sense. Mixed with your allergy medicine, this is who you are. It's a dangerous combination of stuff going on. Yikes! But. Send help, you guys. I'm stuck in this room with them. I don't know what's gonna happen here. But what else do you like on the list? Uh, you know, I will go with. The Da Vinci Code, because, okay. you know, I love Tom Hanks's hair in the movies, but, <laughs> but also the book is actually really good. Um, da Vinci Code, as we know, is a story of Robert Langdon, a uh, professional like professor and stuff like that, who gets called into the Louvre after a murder to help try to solve um, the murder that happened in Has there. Has anyone not read The Da Vinci Code? Are you out there? Yeah, it seems like... It was just, it took over everything. It was like huge. It was a huge book. And I gotta say, I feel like it wasn't a book I was gonna like. That is one of the more entertaining books I've ever read. Yeah, I didn't think so I was good. gonna like it either. It's got nice, you know, short, quick chapters. Uh, the story keeps going. I always like when they put a time like frame on um, stories because I feel like it helps keep the momentum. You don't get any dragging going on. And the like mystery of trying to figure things out in codes was so fun. I was like, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen. I really don't. Yeah, you got the Illuminati thing going in there. There's an albino monk running around killing people. It's I have to say, I try. I was like, oh, I love this book. Dan Brown's my guy. And I think I read two more books by him, and I disliked both of them. Yeah, they kind of lost steam after that. So I feel like Da Vinci Code, though, stands on its own. Yeah, it's kind of like the movies that way. After the I first one, like it was just a really declining either. value of them. But the first one, for sure, is worth reading. Definitely a good uh, good mystery novel. So. And if you know someone who's a reluctant reader and you know it's hard for them to pick something up, this is a great book to recommend because a lot I feel like you fall right into it. A lot of these books are great in the fact that I feel like even the ones if you haven't read, they have name recognition. So it'll make people want to make it's always a little easier to get people to read stuff when you can be like, there's a movie or there's a TV show or there's a podcast dedicated to this thing. Because mm-hmm. then they feel like, you know, this thing must have been popular if they put that much money into it so i'll go check it out so okay do it so a book that was on the list that surprised me um not because it's not a good book i love this book 
but I kind of thought um, it wouldn't be the choice. So it's Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, and if anything by Vonnegut was on the list, I kind of assumed it would be Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. Um, but Sirens of Titan, I prefer to Slaughterhouse Five. It is. It's a great title. Oh, uh, it's so wacky! What a wacky book! Again, a book you would like. It is like this outrageous uh, I mean, romp through space and time and morality. <laughs> I don't know. The the main character. Three of my favorite things. Exactly. He's it's like the, an Avengers movie. <laughs> no. Not supporting that, but he's the richest, most depraved man on earth. This uh, Malachi Constant. Another great name, Malachi oh, Constant. Wow. Everything about this book is great, but he's offered a chance to take a space journey to distant wor- to distant worlds. Um, you know, but as this happens, of course, there's like a catch to this uh, invitation, and it's hard to really describe. But it, it kind of is like a prophetic vision about the purpose of human life that I feel only Vonnegut. Um, is able to tell you know it's it's really relevant he uses the absurd to kind of explore what makes us human which I really love about him so Slaughterhouse Five is his big one because he kind of wrote that because he was captured um, after the Battle of the Bulge and was kept in a slaughterhouse and I feel like that's on a lot of school reading lists and is that really the the story behind that oh yeah yeah he was captured like in 44 by by German forces um, and he was he was like forced to work these long hours in a maple syrup factory, oh. and then he slept in this subterranean slaughterhouse. Every time he ate pancakes, he <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But yeah, I was really excited that it's on the list. I don't necessarily think it would be voted the number one, um, but it could use <clears throat> extra votes because it's really great. Vonnegut is an excellent writer. Go check out Sirens of Titan. Yeah, just for the title alone. Yeah. it's just a cool looking book. We have so many more to talk about, but of course, do, do, do. We're out of time. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about The Great American Read again next week. We are going to have a guest with us who has read uh, many of the books, almost half. I've read almost half, though, too. I think I've read 44 of the books on the list. That's a good number right there. I know, but I wanted at least 50. I'm a little disappointed. But... um. So he is a librarian at the at the downtown library. He's here to talk about a bunch that he loved. And I'd also like to add, he's wicked handsome, Jacob. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, there we go. Yeah, it, it, might be, it might be my husband. Um, so, yeah, Not so we'll have him next spoiler week. Spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we might even do a third parter. We'll kind of see how many we get into. There's just so many good titles. We don't want to ignore any that. No, and it's such a big event that we want to make sure everybody gets all the info and, you know, goes and checks it out. Yeah, Stop Down Library, we got a lot of a lot of fresh copies. They're they're beautiful. So, um, yeah, so make sure to go um, use the hashtag GreatReadPBS. You know, go cast your vote at the PBS website. Yeah. Um, feel free to send us what your favorites are and what you put on your list to, uh, you know, all booked up at buffalolib.org, and we will, you know, discuss it and talk about it on the show for you. We sure will. Don't we'll for- talk about you. Yeah, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and rate us on SoundCloud, iTunes, hopefully Google Play soon, Stitcher, all the all your top podcast sites. Just go in there and click subscribe rate. All the words, all of them. Oh, speaking of which, so I wanted to mention a little fact um, as we talk about all these books. So according to Google, um, there have been 129,864,880 books published since well as of 2010 so over 129 million books i can't even imagine what that number is at now so we've added on eight years to that but that's incredibly impressive that's an incredible number right that's so many and then i wanted to add one more bit 
um, just to inspire everyone. But President Theodore Roosevelt, he read one book per day. Really? What is your excuse? <laughs> if Teddy can do it, you can do Teddy it. Teddy Roosevelt, so. the Ron Swanson of his day. You know, you could have this whole list done in the next 100 days. So, okay, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.